Romans, the fifth chapter. We've been working our way through the book of Romans for quite some time now, and we've 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 had some Sundays where we've broken off and and just were impressed of the Lord to preach sermons of a different topic or a different subject and. And we always want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as, as He would have us do that. We're not just going to labor and trudge on and just, okay, we started it. We're going to, we, we, we try our best, uh, to listen to the Lord and do what He is asking us to do. And we have looked at these first two verses for a couple of weeks now, but we didn't quite finish the last phrase of that second verse. And so we want to go there today and we will be talking about that. Let's look at the first two verses, Romans chapter 5. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we come to your word. Lord, we, we just we just want to say, Word of God, speak. Lord, help me to stay out of the way and just be a voice in between verses. And Lord, in between verses, help me not to stray. Help me to never just get on a soapbox and start spewing out my opinions. But let everything always be according to your word, and thus saith the Lord. So speak, I pray. Help us to learn more of you. Today, let the children of God know without a shadow of a doubt who they are and the blessings and all that come with knowing Jesus and being a child of you, Father. And Lord, should there be one within the hearing or that would listen to this at a later time who yet does not know Christ, I pray by the truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit that you would open their eyes to truth, that you would shine light into darkness, that you would reveal to them their sin, that you would reveal to them your glory and holiness and righteousness, and that you would grant them faith to believe and grant them repentance as they would fall confessing their sins to you. So, Father, help us this day, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Therefore, having been justified by faith. So here Paul is speaking to the redeemed. He's speaking to the saved, to the ones who have been born again, born from above, born of God. Therefore, having been justified, justified, having been placed in a right standing with God. No longer an enemy, because before justification, we were all enemies of God. Yes? We were all in darkness. We were all without hope, far from the covenant promises of God. That was us. That was every one of us at one point. So what changed? How did this justification happen? Was it by works? Was it by ethnic heritage? You see, this is the things that that Paul had been dealing with, with with the Jews, wasn't it? Was it by ritual and ceremony, by by circumcision and and baptism and, and all these things? No, no. This justification is a gift of God. It is a miracle wrought by God Himself. A miracle of mercy and grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. You should have this memorized by now, I hope. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. That what? That, that faith. You think you conjured up your faith on your own? No, you didn't. The faith that was granted to you was a gift of God. Why? It's not of works, so that no one could boast, lest anyone should boast. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Saved. 
I'll ask it again. Saved from what? Saved from wrath. The wrath of God that one day will fall upon all the unjustified. All the unjustified. Romans 5, 5 verse 9. Much more then, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Through Him. Saved through faith. Faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, which is nothing but foolishness to those who don't believe, the unjustified. It is, it is foolishness until God opens their eyes to truth. Then it becomes the power of God unto salvation. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ shed His own blood as payment as the propitiation, as the ransom for sin for all who would believe. For all who by grace through faith believe, saved, justified. And we're going to find that in these first 11 verses of uh, the fifth chapter of Romans, Paul is bringing out the results of this justification by faith. Paul was making the case that if we really believe on Him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, Jesus who was, remember from chapter 4, who was delivered up for our offenses and was raised for our justification, if we have truly, by grace, through faith, believed our salvation is absolute, it is certain, it is complete, it is final, and nothing and no one can ever take it away. Amen? Amen? See, if you, if you can't say amen to that, I'm going to ask you this. Can you believe the words of Jesus? And you should say yes to that one. Let's go to John, the 10th chapter. What did Jesus say? John 10, verse 28 and 29. And this is the words of Jesus. And I give them, what? Say it. Eternal life. Eternal life. Not, not, not life until they mess up and I'm taking it away from them. When when you're saved, you're a new creation. You are no longer that old person you used to be. You have been changed within. The power of God is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, who is greater than all, and I would ask that, is there any any power greater than God? That's a crazy question. No. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Well, preacher, you're saying once saved, always saved. I'm saying if you are truly saved, you are, tra- you are saved forever. That nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. I'm saying what Jesus says. Hope you understand that. Well, what about those who got saved and then they fell away and they never come back to church and they, they, they were singers, they were preachers and they fell away and they stayed that way until they died. Well, what, what's the word of God say? They went out from us because they were never of us. But why did they fall away? Because they were never truly saved. Perhaps they repeated a little prayer. Perhaps they had a a guilty conscience or something. And and they turned to a word. It was a seed that fell on on rocky ground and and it maybe sprang up and it looked like true growth. But there was nothing there. It was not deep within. So those who are saved are saved to the uttermost. Are saved forevermore. If we're His child, nothing can change that standing. And isn't that reason to rejoice, child of God? Isn't that reason to rejoice with a joy, how about this, unspeakable and full of glory? It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory, full of glory it is. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half 
has never yet been told. <laughs> Some of you have never heard that old hymn, but we used to sing it years ago. Joy unspeakable, joy inexpressible. Let's read it there in First Peter, first chapter, verses three through nine. Oh, here here's a lot of things to rejoice over right here. It's been a while since we've read this. And is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Oh, yes, it is. First Peter, first chapter, three through nine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. Uh, the ESV says, has caused us to be born again. That's what that means, begotten again. Caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So what's it saying about our reservation, our inheritance? It's there, and it's undefiled, and it will not fade away. And, and why won't it fade away? Why, why won't we fall utterly? Verse 5, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? Why, Why would God allow trials into the life of a believer? And we're going to be talking about that in, in just a few more verses in Romans 5, and you're, and you're going to see that. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And I would say, why? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Trials come for a purpose. And again, we'll be talking about that in, in much more detail in a few weeks. And why do they come? So that the genuineness of your faith may be made known. See, because you know we talked about those who fall away, those who perhaps come under persecution and come under a trial and come under all these things, and then it's their attitude is, well, why bother with this? I was better off in my sin, and they turn and they go back. See, they were never saved. We go through trials so that we might know. It's one of the evidences that we are when we come through and we endure with patience and long-suffering the trials that the Lord allows in our life. It's one of the evidences that we are saved. For those who have been justified by grace through faith, Paul says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And he's been giving us those reasons why we're to rejoice. And just going to look at these just one more time very quickly. In Romans 1, let's put up, uh, I mean, Romans 5, verse 1. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the uh, results of having this justification by faith, is that we have peace with God. And the only way to peace with God is through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. No other way to God except through Jesus. Jesse read it this morning. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, through Christ we have been reconciled to God. We have been brought into a relationship of peace with God. Having been a declarative statement. It has come to pass. It means no longer enemies, but friends of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We've been adopted as sons and daughters to, to God the Father. This peace of God is talking of identity. It's who we are in Christ. For those who are justified. Now, Romans 5, let's read verse 1 and 2 one more time. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access 
by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope for the glory of God. So what was next? First was peace. Next, access. <laughs> the glorious phrase of access. We preached a sermon just on that a few weeks ago. And again, this is only possible through Jesus Christ. We now have access to God because of Jesus Christ. Again, there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, the barrier to God's holy presence was removed. In the tabernacle, there was the veil. What did it separate from everyone else except the high priest that went in once a year? The Holy of Holies, the place where the mercy seat was, the place where the high priest would go in once a year to offer a perfect blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. But what happened on the cross? What happened when Jesus, our great high priest, shed His blood upon the cross? It's as though Jesus, our great high priest, went through the veil and gave His own blood upon the mercy seat. In Matthew 27, verses 50 and 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice as He's on the cross and yielded up His Spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split, torn by the power of God. And in Christ and through Christ, through Christ, we now have access to God. Christ Jesus, our Lord, poured out His own blood upon the mercy seat as a once and forever sacrifice for sins. Not to be offered again and again and again, but a once and forever perfect, perfect sacrifice for sin. In Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 23. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He, which Christ, consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let me pause there for a moment. You see, this is what, Paul is driving home in Romans 5. Have a true heart of full assurance of faith. Realize who you are in Christ. Live each moment rejoicing that you are saved and that you have been justified. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. You see, child of God, may we never, never waver in unbelief at any of the promises of God. You know, you read a promise of God, and you go, know, well, I don't know. I, well, I don't know about that one. I, I, I know that's kind of what it says, but I'm not sure that's what it says. I've heard other things. I've heard other doctrine. I've heard all this other stuff. Let the Word of God speak. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding of His Word and let the Word speak. Let all other thoughts and, and paraphrases and, and, and commentaries and everything else fall to the wayside and let God's Word speak. Child of God, do you, can you even fathom or begin to realize the blessedness you have in knowing that you're justified. Do we, do we truly realize the magnitude of it? And, and do we rejoice daily with extreme joy that we have been justified? And, and I suppose I've been talking about this already throughout, but, but let's read Romans 5, 1 and 2 one more time as we get down to that last phrasing. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Therefore, knowing that you have peace with God, knowing that you have access, rejoice. Rejoice. Elsewhere 
in Scripture, this Greek word that is translated here as rejoice is translated as glory or boast. Same word. Same word. Uh, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should glory. Uh, King James, New King James. Uh, same word. To boast. To glory. So may our... our may we make our boast, may, may we glory and hope of the glory of God. And, and again, here we have this word hope. And if we think of that word hope by today's standard, as we use the word hope, it falls way short of what this actually means. Because today, if we say, boy, uh, well, I hope it rains. You know, I, I, I hope this or that. And, and there's no certainty about it, is there? It, it's just, well, I, I, it's just like a wish. Well, I wish this would happen. That's not what is being used here. That's not the depth of what this word is here for hope. Um, here, the Greek word used here, translated as hope, means a concrete confidence and assurance. A, a, a hope. A hope. H- Hebrews uh, 6, verse 19. Hebrews six nineteen. This hope... This confidence, this assurance that we have, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's, it's a sure. And it's this hope. And it's, and it's concrete. And it's steadfast. And it doesn't waver. It's not, it's not a wishful thinking, you see. This hope is Christ. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This is Christ. And Paul opens his first letter to Timothy this way. Just, just look at the first verse of 1 Timothy, first chapter. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus, our hope. Is there anything wavering about Jesus Christ? No. No. So this is an assurity. This hope that is guaranteed. This is hope that is a promise of God. Hope and knowing that we who are in Christ will be glorified together with Him. With Him. Romans 8. Let's start with 28 and read through 30. A lot of you, a lot of you have Romans 8, 28 memorized and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His promise, uh, according to His purpose. In verse 29, For whom He, God, foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called, whom He called, these He also justified, and whom He justified, these He also, what? Glorified. It, it's, it's done. It's done. Now, granted, it will not be fully revealed, or activated, or I guess I should say just revealed to us. We have got a glimpse of glory here. Just a glimpse. But someday, someday, it will be fully revealed. These He also glorified. Fully realized when one day we stand before God the Father in His very presence, we shall behold Him as He is. In full glory. We, we, we couldn't bear it now. It, it, it would consume us. We, we, that's why we just get glimpses here. But someday we will be in His presence and we will behold Him and we will see Him in all His glory. Paul says in Romans 5 that we rejoice, we exult with great expectation of seeing the glory of God. What Jesus say in Matthew 5, verse 8? Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, well, who's who would that be referring to? Who who's the pure in heart? Well, it, 
it's got to be those whose heart has been changed by grace through faith. The born again, the justified, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. See God. Be in His presence and behold Him. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way. Quote, This is the ultimate end of our faith. This is the final goal of it all. The real object of redemption and of salvation is to bring us eventually to that place where we shall stand and behold the glory of God to see God. See, that's the ultimate end, which is just the beginning, right? Which will be just the beginning, end quote. See, while we are still here on this planet Earth, we get veiled glimpses. Can I say it that way? Veiled glimpses of the glory of God. But one day, His glory will be on full display. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now, while we're walking on planet Earth, for now, we see in a mirror, what? Dimly. But then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. In contrasting the true believer and the unconverted Jew, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verses 14 through 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 14 through 18. And again, this is talking of the unconverted Jew and the contrast uh, to the true believer. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. That that is yet today for the professing Jew who is holding on to their Jewishness and their circumcision and being those who were given the oracles of God and that's what they're banking on for their salvation. Their eyes are yet veiled because Jesus came and lifted the veil that we might see Him. And they have yet rejected Christ as the Messiah. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, we have glimpses here but full unveiled glory is yet to come. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I know tomorrow is Independence Day, and there's going to be a lot of people talking about liberty and a lot of people talking about freedom, and there's there's people that's going to be demonstrating, oh, we're we're losing freedoms, we're losing this, and we don't have the liberty we had, and and all these different things are going to be going on. And, And they are blinded to the fact that there is only one liberty that amounts to anything, and that's being liberated from your sin, and of knowing Jesus, or whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Free forevermore talking about frivolous things, and it is on this earth. Friviality. But what is important? Knowing Jesus, that is what's important. See, all other things pale in comparison to Him. To Him. So why rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Why? Why Why would we do that? Why would we hope in the glory of God? Well, let's remind ourselves of what Paul said back in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, all have been born 
into sin, all separated from God and His glory. No direct fellowship and communion with God. But one day, for the born again, light shone in the darkness. One day, grace came and granted us faith that we might believe the gospel of Christ. One day, the grace and mercy of God called us to Himself to make us His own. Called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Let, let, let's read 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 that says that. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when you're talking of the glory of God, you're also talking of the glory of Christ because they are one to the believers in Thessalonica, Paul said this, 2 Thessalonians, 2 chapter, verses 13 and 14. 2 Thessalonians, 2 chapter, 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which He called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? For the obtaining of what? The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Child of God, we have been prepared for glory. We have been prepared for glory. Romans 9, verses 22 and 24, through 24. Romans 9, 22 through 24. What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? So there are those who are prepared for destruction? Well, what's the Word say? What's God say? Word of God speak. Yes. Yes. Why? That His power would be made known. And that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which He had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom He called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Child of God, He has made known to us the riches of His glory. And is that not reason for perpetual rejoicing? Steadfast confidence in the promises of God. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, we had it and we, we read it before we sang our first song this morning, but I want us to read it here in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 20. This is the prayer Paul had. And this is what he wanted the Ephesians to know. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. In this, everything that Paul has been talking about in Romans, Although we might know Him and the power of the resurrection. Why rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Because it changes our attitudes and reactions to the things that happen to us while here on earth. Do you believe that? If we're rejoicing in the hope of glory, if we're rejoicing in knowing what lies ahead, will that affect our daily living? Will it affect how we respond to people and to circumstances of life and to trials and tribulations? Yes, it will. It will. When we are firmly planted on the promises of God, knowing the 
that full glory awaits us, all other things fade as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Isn't that true? Isn't that what Paul was trying to tell us? Turn your eyes to Him. Keep your eyes fixed on things above all of the things will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and of the glory that is yet to come. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 15 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 15 through 18. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Say, I I hope you're going to see how often this phrasing stands out throughout the Word of God. Glory of God. Glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. (laughs) Let me pause. Momentary light affliction. I I like that. See, any affliction, any persecution, any pain, any suffering here on this earth is but momentary. Momentary. It is but a vapor compared to eternity. Amen? For our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Let me pause again. Because trials and tribulations come into our life for a reason, for a purpose. Amen? As we talked about that earlier. To give us perseverance. To let us know our strength is not of our own, but of His. is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, what do you see? (laughs) You see a world that is broken. You see sin and evil at every hand. That's what you can see. And hopefully you see glimpses of the children of God at work. Here on this earth. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, full glory awaits the child of God, the born again believer. So set your mind, set your affections on things above, on the things that are eternal. I want to read another Lloyd-Jones quote. Then this way, see, you can be mad at him instead of me. See, that's pretty. That's a pretty good way to do it, don't you think? Right, Kevin? You got something tough to say. You let somebody else say it for you. You just make a quote out of it. So here we go. Quote: You're poised on the edge of your seat, wanting to hear what Lloyd Jones says, and this this is good. If you have not seen something of the glory of God and of Christ, it is because you are looking too much at other things you're looking too much at your newspapers now remember this was from the 1950s today he would said you're looking too much at your devices you're looking too much at your television at the world and its gaudiness turn away from it all and begin to look at to gaze upon the things which are not seen the things which are eternal set your affections there It calls for an effort of the will and discipline. It means diligence in your study of the Scriptures and meditation upon them. Seek Him there. 
Ask the Spirit to reveal Him to you. Ask Him to manifest Himself to you. Once you have caught a glimpse of Him and the glory that awaits you, then you will be very ready to join Paul and say that you boast and glory and exult in the hope of the glory of God. End quote. And I would say, Amen. I think it was him that I read, why is the church so anemic today? Well, probably for one thing, it's because the majority of the church is not of the church, the real church. They're not saved. That would be one reason. And another reason would be because the ones who are truly saved are not about the Father's business. They're not shining the light of Christ as they should. And I'm preaching to myself here. So that others, when they see see our good works and give glory to God. Not see our good works and pat us on the back. But let our light so shine that others would see our good work but give glory to God. To Him. To Him. To him. So why should we rejoice and exult in the hope of the glory of God? Let me summarize. Christ died for our sins and fulfilled a perfect righteousness. Amen? By grace through faith, we saw it and believed. We were justified by this faith. The righteousness of Christ was imputed to us Again, how can we fathom that? Christ's righteousness imputed to us, given to us who believe, a robe of righteousness, not of our own, but of Christ, placed upon us, our sin imputed to Him. He took our sin and bore them on the cross. How how can we fathom that? And how can we cease from giving thanks and rejoicing because of that? The righteousness of Christ was imputed to us. The enmity between God and us was taken away, and now there is peace. We entered through that peace into a standing in that grace where the infinite power of God is no longer against us, but for us. So that the promise is guaranteed, grace will reign unto eternal life. Romans 5, verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And also, here one more, the just will be glorified. Now we'll just read the verse 30 from Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 30. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified and therefore we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and there it is such a great salvation amen without it we are under the wrath of God and so here's the question are you saved Are you justified before God? Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, there's there's the eternal questions, isn't it? Because eternal destination lies within the answer. Heaven or hell. Which are you? Well, what do I do, preacher? What do I do? How do I know? How do I know? Well, you will know because for all who are justified, what resides within those who have believed and are justified? The Spirit of God. And that Spirit of God in you will bear witness to you that you are a child of God. That's how you know. You don't know because you prayed some little prayer and somebody patted you on the head and said, well, you're saved. Go on about your business. No. No. You know, not because somebody else tells you you're saved. You know because you know you're saved. Because you read the Word of God that comes alive to you. 
You may not understand it all and you won't understand it all, but you'll begin to see the glimpses of the part that lets you know how you were saved and why you were saved. So what do I do? Well, let's read Romans 10, verse 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. By grace, through faith, believe, confess, repent, Turn from your sinful ways and follow Him. Well, how will I know if it's real? Again, His Spirit will bear witness with you and you will begin to bear fruit of righteousness. Fruit of the Spirit. What will come from you. Old habits and things should begin to fall away because you're a new person. You're new. And so you will take on attributes of a child of God. There will be a change. John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in me, who sent me, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. John 3, verse 33. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. How often in the Word of God does this keep ringing over and over and over again? There's no other way around it. John 6, verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. See, by grace, through faith, believe and repent. 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 What did Jesus say? Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Acts 3, verse 19, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. In Luke 13, 3, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Don't be among the perishing. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. And and, and Lord, for, for the clarity that can come from Your Word as we yield to the Holy Spirit and just let Your Word speak. And Father, I pray that for every born-again believer, everyone who has been justified by grace through faith, that they would become rock solid in their rejoicing and their exulting at Your glory and at the glory that, that we get glimpses of here, but will ultimately come when we are there with You face to face. Father, help us live in light of that. Help me, Father, to not get distracted by lesser things as was mentioned earlier in a prayer. To not be distracted by the things of the world, whether it be the things that glitter and will tempt me through covetousness, or if it be distracted just because of the outrageous behavior and the evil and sin that I see in the world and just become angry at people instead of having compassion for them. Because I know if they die in that condition without you, I know what their end will be so father help me help all of us to pray for 
our president, vice president, for the speaker, for the majority leader, for these people that that I shake my head at some of the decisions they're making as far as I see. And a lot of the decisions I can take right to your word and say they are sin and evil. But Father, let us pray. Let us pray, let us pray every night and every day. So Lord, I pray that You would heal our nation. That, and, and I know, I know, I know that can only happen, truly happen by the, what would be the greatest revival that happened that ever happened on planet Earth. I know that. But Lord, help revival begin in me. Help each one here that is born again say those very words. Let revival begin in me. Lord, let us live in exalting and in, in, in the glory of You and that that would shine out to others so that they would even ask, how, how can You have such an attitude at such a time as this and we can share Your love with them and share the Gospel of Christ? And so, Father, should there be someone who would listen to this sermon and is yet lost, I pray by the truth of Your Word and the power of Your Holy Spirit, that You would perform a miracle that only You can perform. And that is a miracle of regeneration, a miracle of salvation, of bringing someone who is dead in trespasses and sins and making them alive in Christ. Father, we can't do that, but You can. Oh, we, we can spread the Word. We can tell of what Your Word has said, but Lord, salvation is in Your hands. It's not by my persuasive words, but Lord, but by Your truth. So Father, help us that we would hear truth and believe. So help us this day to be carriers of truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.